morning. It's good to see uh, a lot of new faces. It's kind of exciting. Um, it's good to see some awake. <laughs> now, hey, thank you guys for the worship this morning. It just, uh, it what holy, holy, holy. Uh, no, kind of hard to preach after that, to be honest with you. But uh, let's pray and uh, we'll stand and read the Word of God and we'll get started. Father, you have something to say to us this morning and I pray that as your children we will sit attentively at your feet and listen with all our hearts, Lord. And I, I include myself in that, Lord. Um, as the message goes out, I pray that, that uh, Lord, that you'll shape today and tomorrow and this week for us, Lord, that you would change our heart and our character and, and, and help us to live differently than the world. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to live as your children, not, not, not as children of the world. And I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Stand, if you will, and uh, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. We're going to begin reading uh, this morning at verse 31. And we're going to read through the end of chapter 13. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You may be seated. As we uh, set the, let's set the scene just a little bit here. This is Jesus. He's preaching in Judea, the northern kingdom of Israel. And let's, let's talk about what the climate was there because I think... For us today, it is important to realize that Jesus walked in a world that was equally as tumultuous and difficult as anything that we see today. I want you to think about it. They are occupied by the Roman Empire. They have, in Judea, they have this leader, Herod, who is part Jew and part Roman, and he tries to play both sides. And if you, in your faith, in your religion, in your heritage, there is nothing worse than, the, than to play both sides. You're either all Jew or you're nothing. So if you think that, and you can pick a name, you can pick a, a, a party, you can, if you think that you've had heartache with a president over the last however many years of your life, it pales in comparison to how these guys would have thought of Herod. You had racism running rampant. You had this group called Samaritans that if you were a Jew going to Jerusalem, they would kill you just for walking through their, prop, through their, 
through their territory. They would not grant you lodging. But that was okay because you thought of them as little more than dogs. Jesus' own cousin and the precursor to his ministry, John the Baptist, was arrested and killed for the entertainment of Herod's daughter. This is the world in which Jesus walks and teaches and preaches. As a Jew, you have to follow the Jewish laws, but at the same time you have to abide under Roman rule and follow the Roman laws. Almost impossible to do. Compromise after compromise after compromise. And into that, God sends His Son, Jesus. You know, there are actually only, you know, we talk about cosmic events, right? There are literally, there are only three cosmic, true cosmic events in history. Or in all time. When God created the cosmos. Later on, when Jesus destroys and remakes the cosmos. But the climax, the, the central point, the, the thing that everything points to is this, this point right here. The time that Jesus Christ came, died on a cross, raised from the grave, and ascended into heaven and changed everything. Jesus is there in the greatest cosmic event of all time. And as he's there and he's preaching, and we've been talking, he... You know, Luke is writing to Theophilus the, uh, this letter that, that it, we call the book of Luke, and he's sharing with him this is what the life of Christ was and what it meant, and this is what the gospel means, and, and you as a Roman, here's how it relates to you, and he's giving him all this information. And into that, he's, he puts this encounter that Jesus has with some Pharisees. Now, we do not know the motivation of the Pharisees. You can read commentaries till the cows come home and one guy will believe one thing and one will believe another. Some believe that the Pharisees were Pharisees that were sympathetic to Jesus and they were warning him so that Herod would not kill him. Others feel that he, they, were, they may have faked this, that Herod really wasn't looking to, to kill Jesus. They just wanted him out of Judea to move him south where they had more power. We don't know. There's somewhere in the gamut. He, they could have been in league with Herod. We don't know. But what we do know is they go to him because the real players here are, are Jesus and Herod. The Pharisees come and they give him this warning, you need to leave because Herod wants to kill you. Now Herod may have actually wanted to kill him or he may have just been trying to scare Jesus off. Understand this, one of the things that Herod loved was peace and tranquility within Judea because Roman rulers, especially of mixed race, who were not able to keep peace and tranquility within their region were often replaced pretty quickly. So Herod has a great self-interest in the fact that there be no uprising and no changes. And here you have this carpenter from from Nazareth who's walking around drawing thousands upon thousands of people 
you know, when he fed the 5,000 in all likelihood with women and children, the 5,000 would have been just the men. There could have been, up, uh, there could have been upwards of 20,000 people there at the feeding of the 5,000. So here you have this guy and he's performing miracles to the point where Herod actually sent out and said, hey, I want Jesus to come to me. I want to see what he does. That scared Herod. Because when people start proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, what the Jews mean by that is, we're going to stand up and we're going to fight and we're going to overthrow these Roman occupiers and we're going to return Israel to its righteous self. Which, by the way, if that started to happen, Herod would lose. Something else, the Sanhedrin, those who were made up of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, that basically their senate at the time who ruled under the Roman rulers, if that were to occur, guess, who, guess what would happen to them? There's a great deal of self-interest going on here. Lots of people that want Jesus out of the way. Sort of the way a lot of people think about the church today. There are a lot of people who have a lot of self-interest and a lot of things that they would like, but it's the people of God who sometimes stand in the way. And you know what? Sometimes they get a little bitter about it. Sometimes it's, hey, would you just go away? Would you just shut up? And it's important for us this morning as we walk through our lives of political unrest, not just nationally, but internationally, around the world, when we walk through a place, through a world that becomes increasingly more hostile towards the message of the gospel, when we walk in a world where, even within the church, we're divided over politics and and covid and this and that so many things we're trying to walk through and find our footing we talk like we're intelligent over things that we know almost nothing about i mean matt and i started kind of talking a little bit about you know, our, you know, we do have a responsibility under the, under the Scriptures to hold our government accountable to the Constitution. And we started talking about it, and we started kind of going back and forth, and what we started seeing is there are layer upon layer upon layer upon, upon layer about whether something's constitutional or not, whether it's a law or not. And it's not saying there's a right or wrong. It's saying this is complex. It's difficult But we, we get a soundbite from someplace and we think we know all truth. And we don't have discussions. And by the way, discussions are where you find out where the holes in, in your thinking are and how you grow. But we don't discuss anything anymore. We just yell back and forth at each other in soundbites. This is the world we live in. Where do you find the hope in that? I think this morning's passage shows us that very clearly. Let's start with this. When they came and told told Jesus that Herod wanted to kill him, he responds to him, go tell that fox. Now, 
This is not the same as if Michael came to me and said that Margie wanted me to um, go mow the grass, right? And I, ret- I turned to Michael and said, you know, hey, go tell that fox that, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is not the same thing as that. This, com- this actually comes, it's very important for you to understand, there was a, there was a rabbinic idiom, in other words, a rabbinic saying that they used at that time. It's important for us to know this. It was a very common saying, so it was very likely that, that Luke and Jesus were referring to this. And it says, in that saying, it says, Be first in greeting every man, and be a tail to lions, and not a head to foxes. You see, the fox was seen as an animal of low cunning. In other words, it was deceitful, it was crafty, nothing virtuous about it. But even more than that, to a lion, a a fox is inconsequential and worthless. And so here Jesus is, the lion of Judah turns and tells him, you go tell that fox, then I'm going to continue my ministry. He says, he start, Luke puts it in the phrase of today and tomorrow I continue to, to heal and to cast out demons and then the third day. But if you look at the actual language and it, what it's, while it uses those words, the connotation is I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing until I'm done. You go tell that crafty, deceitful, lying and completely inconsequential man that I'm going to keep doing my father's work until it's done. Are you seeing the connection? I don't care who sits in the White House. I don't care who sits as the premier of which country. I don't care who's in leadership wherever. We will continue to do our Father's work until it is done. The problem is, we've got to be careful about what we think our Father's work is. That's the struggle. That's where the rubber kind of meets the road, to be honest with you. This is why we have to be so careful as we walk through all of these issues that we not lose sight of what our mission is. Our mission is the gospel. Our mission is loving one another. Our mission is a mission of grace and mercy and compassion. That's what true believers will do. We should be able to walk through really difficult things. Because we are centered around one really simple, important, magnificent thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ. As long as we keep that center, we can dance, we can dance around the maypole, so to speak. You know what a maypole is? 
Okay, it's a little pole. They tie ribbons to it. And back when we were kids, they would torture us by making us practice walking around the maypole in a dance so that we could, our parents could come and watch us during, or the teachers could watch us during some May event. It was horrible. <laughs> What's that? No. It's like having a child. I forgot it was painful. <laughs> As you walk around the maypole, you go in different directions. Sometimes, especially as kids, you're bumping into each other and you're running into each other and you're getting all the steps wrong and, and everything else. But you know what? As long as you keep a hold of that ribbon and you keep your eyes on the center, you'll get it eventually. That's the best thing I can tell you. If any of our disagreements become so strong that we can't continue to serve the gospel together, we've let go of something. The church should be the one place that we can fight over these things and be okay. We can have disagreements on these things and be okay. Because ultimately, here's the thing. If God's not glorified through the gospel of Jesus Christ, if people aren't coming to Christ and, and raising, then we have no purpose for being here. All of the other stuff... All of the other stuff is distraction. And like Herod, it's inconsequential. Jesus is on mission. He uses the, the, the words of three days, and it's, a, it's an allusion to the fact that he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to die, and he's going to come out of the grave in three days. It's an allusion to the fact that he is going to go to Jerusalem as the Lamb of God. But he's going to come out of that grave as the Lion of Judah. Herod the fox may think he has an upper hand on Jesus the Lamb of God, but what he doesn't realize is he's messing with a lion. Herod cannot stop Jesus' mission. Herod cannot change the timing of Jesus' mission. Herod cannot kill Jesus, but neither can anyone stop him from going and laying down his own life. And you can live that way too. If... You're truly on mission. Are you on mission? Is your mission determined by CNN or Fox News? Or is it determined by the ESV? <laughs> NIV, the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't abbreviate as well as... <laughs> there you go. Listen, the church has a nickname called, from Scripture, Paul writes, we are the body of Christ. And it's really easy to overlook that and just use it as a catchphrase. God is changing each and every believer's heart and life to be more like Christ.
He is sanctifying us. He is molding us and shaping us. And as we are molded and shaped, not to steal asunder, but Matt will get to a, a portion in Ephesians pretty soon where it talks about as we grow in the knowledge of Him, that we grow in unity. We grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ individually, and as we do so, we do so corporately. And we, the church, are the body of Christ. What that means is, if someone's going to put their hand on a leper, it's going to be us. Jesus is doing it through the Holy Spirit and through us, but we are the flesh that puts our hand on the leper. I'm sitting here looking, you guys, don't, I hope I don't offend anyone, but would mo, mo, much of culture would have called you lepers at one point. Yes. And guess what? Guess what? This body, we're the ones who put our arms around you and love you. We being the body of Christ, and now it's we being the body of Christ, touch lives every day. And those lives change. And that's our mission. And so when we let struggles and difficulties and positions on things like immigration and this and that and so on and so forth affect, it's not that those things aren't important. I spend hours researching these things. They're important. And it's good to have an opinion. But the second that that stops us from loving one another. The second that stops us from sharing the gospel, the second it causes us to show ourselves so ugly that when we do share the gospel, people are like, what? We have let go of the maypole. The Jewish people had let go of the maypole a long, long time ago. Jesus goes on and he, and he says, Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered you and your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you, are, you were not willing. What incredible words to hear. I would have, but you were not willing. Tell us what he wants to add to the sermon when you're done. <laughs> Roger's point, yeah, Roger's pointing at you. He doesn't want to be accused. We're good. You know, it's interesting. So if a fox comes to attack and there are little chicks, the mother hen will gather the brood underneath and hide them under her wings and protect it 
protect them. Jerusalem, which is really a metaphor for all of Israel, has been under the rule of the fox for a long time at this point. A lot of people don't realize that before the, that before the Romans came, Alexander the Great had come and conquered Israel as well. They had, been, they had been under somebody else's rule for a long time. Before that, they had been, they, they had been in exile for 70 years. And then before that, they had one despot king after another who didn't follow the Lord. During that time, Uriah the prophet was killed by Jehoiakim the king. Zedekiah, the son of the high priest, started prophesying about what was going to happen. And then, or I'm sorry, uh, Zechariah was at, and Joash had him killed. Jeremiah was thrown into a well and left for dead. David was stoned, they wanted to stone David. And Reboam's taskmaster came to Jerusalem to talk to them and they stoned him. Over and over and over throughout the Old, Old Testament, you see story after story after story where the prophets were killed in Jerusalem. Now, that wasn't the only place they were killed. They were killed elsewhere. But Jerusalem had a habit of killing its prophets and those who were sent to it. God inhabited the temple in Jerusalem. I want you to think about this. The Shekinah glory of God inhabited the temple in Israel in the time of Solomon. How many of you have thought this? That You know, if I could only see God, I would be different. If Jesus actually showed up here, man, I would change. I've thought that before. It's a lie. The Israelites walked with God displaying Himself as a column of fire and a, and, a, and a pillar of cloud. They walked on dry land through the Red Sea. They drank water that came from nowhere. They ate bread that fell from the sky. They conquered people that were greater than them. And continually they turned away from God. In Jerusalem, representing Israel, Jesus looks at them and He said, if you had only. Surrendered and come under My care, I would have protected you. But you were not willing. And here's the thing. Before God called you and I, we were absolutely no different. You know, when we're witnessing to someone and sharing the gospel, you know, the, almost invariably, the first or second question that's going to be asked is, how could God, how could God and then they list some tragedy or something, that ha- something bad that happened in their life, something bad that's happening around the world. I think Jesus' words to them would, would be, you know, if, 
if you all were willing to come under my protection, I would. But the world isn't willing. And because the world isn't willing, we're surrounded by foxes. Lying, deceitful, broken people who prey on those weaker than themselves. And so why are there tragedies and things in the world? Is because we're not willing to come under the protection of God. Instead, we would rather live with the foxes. But there is a time coming when judgment will come. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now some... Some may think that that's talking about the triumphal entry, but no, it's actually talking about when Jesus comes again as the returning Savior. 70 AD, Jerusalem will be torn into shreds and just laid, laid bare. The people of Israel would be scattered all over the world, never to return again as a nation until world the end of World War II. Think about that. This is God's chosen people. And their stubbornness, their refusal, their unwillingness to submit themselves to God led to an incredible judgment on them in just 70 years from when Jesus spoke. They would cease to exist as a nation. They would be scattered around the world and hated, irrationally, everywhere they went. God is extending His grace to you and I. He is saying, if you would come under my protection, if you would just come to me, I would protect you like a mother hen protects her chicks. question is, will you? Are you willing to be the tail of a lion or do you want to be the head of a fox? You know, when you're teaching athletics, whether it's baseball or football or whatnot, one of the things, one of the rules you have is that the body follows the head. If you're hitting a baseball, your head and your eyes go with the ball there and your hands go there. If you're catching a football, your head and your eyes go to the ball, that's where your hands go. The body will follow the head. And so if you are the head of a fox, what that means is your body is going to suffer the consequences of being a deceitful, clever, mean-spirited, taking advantage of the poor and the weak type of person. And you will suffer those consequences. Or you can choose to be the tail of the lion. The thing about the tail is, the tail goes where the lion goes. And our lion is the lion of Judah. 
Jesus Christ. And if you follow Jesus, if you're the tail of the lion, there is nothing that can stop you from going where the lion is going. Nothing that can stop you. No one can control the timing. No one can control the place. No one can... You, if you are on mission, the only one who controls where you go and and when you get there and how long you stay is the lion. Jesus Christ. Period. The world's got... We've got thousands and thousands and thousands of stories of where this has played out. Two in particular. One that... Elizabeth Elliot. If you've, have you ever heard of Elizabeth Elliot? So her and her husband and another team, they went to, to South America and they tried to reach these tribes in the Amazon basin. And the guys would fly out in this airplane and they'd land it on a river, pull it up on the, on the riverbank, and then they would, they would leave gifts and they would meet with, these, with this tribe. And on their second or third meeting, I forget, but on the second or third meeting, the tribe killed them, all of them, on that beach. Five men. Elizabeth Elliot was the widow of one of those men. To make a long story short, her and her son went to live with the tribe that murdered her husband. And her love and compassion, and forgiveness, the very things that mark us as believers, led that tribe to follow Jesus Christ and become evangelists in the jungles of the Amazon basin. A friend of ours in Washington State was shot shot and wounded in a robbery when he, in Atlanta when he was at Georgia Tech. Spent three months in the hospital. His brother came the next year, and his brother was an incredible evangelist. He worked with Campus Crusade on campus. He was, he was sharing the gospel all the time, and he loved people. He wasn't a salesman. He didn't go with a... He genuinely loved people. And people knew of him on campus because of that love overflowing and the fact that he interacted and he was the body of Christ to people right up until almost the exact same day the next year when he got shot in the exact same place and died. And 750 college students professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at his funeral. If you're the tail of the lion... No one, no one determines when and how your mission is accomplished except for the lion himself. And even in death, God will be glorified. Are we going to continue to run with the foxes and argue and chip and bite? Or are we going to be about our mission? Are we going to be the tail of the lion or the head of the fox? And look, we've got both in the church. We've got both. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have our opinions and we shouldn't work through these things. We have to. Because we have to live in the world. But the second 
the second whether someone has a shot or is wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, the second someone's party they voted for changes that they're our brother or our sister, that we have to love them and forgive them and walk with them in grace. We're moving from being the tail of the lion to the head of the fox. What would you give up? What would you sacrifice? What would you ignore to be there, to share the gospel, to see God glorified when somebody bends their knee and says, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. What would you give up for that? So why are we hanging on to so much junk so tightly that we can't love each other. Be the tail of the lion. Go where Jesus goes. His world was just as messed up as ours. But it didn't matter because he was on his father's business and that took precedence over everything. You know, later on when Jesus was arrested, he met Herod for the first time. Now Herod could have saved Jesus, but he didn't. What's ironic is he also didn't actually pass the death sentence on Jesus. He had nothing to do with Jesus' death other than the fact that he didn't prevent it. He truly was exactly what Jesus said. He was worthless and inconsequential. As a matter of fact, this is how inconsequential and worthless Herod actually was. Jesus said nothing to him. <laughs> Didn't say a single word to him when he stood in front of him. No. Because Herod didn't matter. It was the Father. It was the mission. It was our salvation that mattered. Let's live like Jesus. Take our eyes off the junk. And let's be about the gospel. The cool thing is as often happens when is it, if we do that, we'll actually be better at the other stuff as well. We will talk more. We will ask more questions. We will work through things because we want to, we want to, we will give credit to what other people say instead of just ignoring them out of hand. We'll be better at it, which is crazy. I mean, Matt and I do not agree on everything on all these things, but I appreciate him because if I don't have Matt speaking to my life, I have no safe place to go to hear what other people are thinking. And if I don't hear what other people are thinking, I don't go do research and I don't dig in and I don't go find truth. We can be better together, but only around the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, a couple of short, simple passages, but 
because of where we are today, Lord, so packed. Father, help us to be your body. Lord, help us to be as on point for the mission as you were, Lord. Grow us in that. Lord, show us how that looks in the day-to-day. Lord, continually remind us this week, tail of the lion, tail of the lion, tail of the lion, Lord, please. Lord, every time we get into a discussion, every time we start to, to process things, every... Every time we're in a group, Lord, let us be your tail. Let us follow your lead. Let us go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.